0: First Peter, chapter number four, beginning at verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do thank you. So much for your son, Jesus, Lord. Father, we love your word. Your word gives life. It gives hope. It brings insight. It gives revelation. It gives us wisdom. Father, as your servant this morning, I ask that you will empower me by your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that when I speak, that those words will be inspired of the Holy Spirit and that people will see Understand you more and be more committed, more surrendered to you than they were when they first walked in. God, we thank you so much for what you're going to do in this service. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're beginning a brand new series entitled "House Cleaning." Um. Usually right around, I guess, probably around the springtime. How many of you have, uh, uh, you know, do a lot of spring cleaning around your house and that kind of thing? You have have at least one period during the the year where you clean things up. Does anybody ever do that? Well, whenever you clean up your house, generally speaking, uh, we tend to... uh, clean things and remove things that is no longer needed. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, if you come to my house, I have a problem with my garage all the time. It seems like no matter how many times I clean my garage, I always have to go in there and I find stuff that I'm like, where did this come from? And so whenever you do one of those deep cleanings, you know, usually if you do, if you're, if you're real, if you do it right, you're, you're not only cleaning the obvious places, but you'll also clean the spaces that, that are no so, not so uh, not seen all the time, that people don't just walk in the house and they can just see those areas. So when you do a deep cleaning, you kind of go behind the surface. You, you get underneath the chairs. You, you touched up the areas that you haven't touched in a long time. And when you have somebody come over your house, how many of you like to have your house clean? Like to have things cleaned up because you have guests coming over. And so I've noticed that people who may not even be clean, when they have guests coming over, they'll go the extra mile. I hope you do, to make sure that your house is clean. I mean, know that there needs to be some cleaning within the church of God as well. We have some house cleaning to do. I want to say to you on the onset that this, is me- this message is, is going to uh, challenge you. It's not one of the, uh, as I would like to call it, the feel-good messages, but after you, it's kind of like that medicine that your mom gives you, or used to give you. That you know, you first take it, it taste first taste, it, it tastes terrible. Then after a while, it's, it make you feel better. I even mean, you know truth always make you feel better. And if we're as the, as the people of God, and this is so important. If we're going to be people that are really, really going to change a generation, how many of you want to be agents of change? How many of you really want to make a difference in the kingdom of God? How many know that in order for that to happen, then we first got to get our act together? Are you with me? Because if we don't have our act together, then we cannot expect to have an impact. Amen. Amen. And so what we need to do is, so as we go through these series of messages, I want you not to look at somebody else because, you know, usually whenever we hear one of these type messages, the first thing we like to do, we like to look at other people and say, that's sister so-and-so, that's brother so-and-so. No, we need to look at our what? Uh Selves. This message, these messages are designed to cause the church to take a look at ourselves and clean up our own house. I want to give you some examples as I was studying that the Lord showed me. Um, the line that once distinguished Christians from non Christians has become severely blurred. What do I mean by that? I mean, know that the church is supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be like the world. Can I get an amen? It's gotten to a point now that it's hard to distinguish the church. From everything and everybody else. That, in fact, I was, I was uh, paying attention not too long ago and you, you find out that in the, the church got the same problems that the world has. Now, Jesus says that we are the light of the world. Well, we can't be light unless the darkness is put out. How are we going to really be light when you take a look at the church? We're struggling with the exact same things, and we're not getting victory over the this, over this stuff that the world is not getting victory over. So we come in, and we say, okay, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to surrender to Jesus. Well, why do—the if, if first thing I would say, if you're witnessing to me, and, 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 and you, you tell me I need to give my life to Jesus— and, and I see that you're all messed up. The first thing I'm going to say to you is, why do I need to change? If he can't give you power over that, why do I need to change? I was, the, 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 you know, not too long ago, I was, I, was, I was listening and I was, there's this well-known ministry. I won't call names, but the pastor and his wife, they had just announced that, hey, we're going to get a divorce. But then I didn't just see it just for that one church. I saw it with like a couple churches where one pastor and his wife was out in the park a lot fighting. I'm thinking to myself, now here it is that we are supposed to be the light of the world, agents of change. And you mean to tell me the God who created the heavens and the earth? The God who holds all things together by the word of his power, he can't hold my marriage up? I'm, can I be real honest? Can we talk today? We're supposed to be The folks that show people how to live. But if we're struggling with the same thing, getting no victory. See, grace not only delivers you, grace empowers you to overcome sin. The kind of grace that people talk about today, where you're still jacked up, messed up, there's no change in your life. I don't know what kind of grace that is. But it's not biblical grace. Biblical grace changes you. It empowers you. It sustains you and enable you to do what you can't do in and of yourself. That's why I love Jesus so much. How I many of you can testify when you first got saved? That there were, you're doing things now you thought that you can never do. But God gave you the grace to be able to do it. So when I look and I hear that, and you know, you ever look at, listen to this guy, there's a, there's a, a, a Christian uh, statistician that he, Basically, um, George Bonner, he came out with a study. He talked about how that the divorce rate in the Christian church is the same as it is in the world. In fact, the reality of it is that the pleasures and the values of most people in the church are not much different from other people of the world. We got to get comfortable being different. See, too many believers want to, or are some somehow feel compelled to, to try to hold on to a little bit of the world, or try to identify with the world. How many know that you can't identify with the world and, and be followers of Christ? Not really. One of them got to go. I told you we we're gonna do some house cleaning, right? So, you know, whenever you do some house cleaning, it's never pleasant because, you know, whenever me and my wife sometimes do house cleaning, and one, I'm one of those guys, I like to throw away stuff that I feel like that's a problem, that's, that's clutter. And my wife says, don't throw that away. I want it. Well, we're getting rid of it. We don't need it. Sometimes it hurts to clean house. It hurts sometimes when God begins to clean us up. But see, what we need to do is... We need to to take a real honest look at ourselves as people of God who say that we represent God. And and for every time I hear somebody say that I'm only human, God understands, I will be a, a gazillionaire if it's such a thing. And it sickens me because it cheapens the power of God. God will not ask of you to do something that he will not empower you to do. Are you tracking with me? So we have to be really honest and say, what am I doing? Why is it, not, why is it that the church is not being the agent of change that it's supposed to be? Let me, let me say this. It starts with every one of us taking a look at ourselves. You see, right living gives you the authority and the boldness to speak into the lives of others. See, check, listen, listen to me. See, I mean, it's hard to witness to somebody and tell somebody to stop doing something when you yourself are battling with the same thing. Amen. I told you a couple weeks ago about the about this gentleman I know of, at, you know, who works at the same place I work at the same problem. You know, he has no authority. You know, he has no real authority to speak. And nobody, nobody will pay attention to him. And nobody cares how much Bible, you know. The power is in living Amen. what you preach. If you want your words to have power behind it, it's that you got you living this thing out. That's what the power is. And I tell people, oh, I want to be anointed. Amen. Anointing started, starts with being obedient. Good. Good. But see, boy, when, see, when I'm walking with God when I know that, I, that I'm doing the things, that I'm, I'm aligning myself up with scripture, that my life is matching up with what I say, I can speak now with authority and I can speak with a certain boldness, not with arrogance, not with pride, but with confidence that I know what I'm talking about, that we serve a God who can set free and deliver. Amen. But, but, but we got to deal with this issue of what Peter talks about here in First Peter, chapter number 4. He says the judgment must first begin with the house of God. See, most people, when we think about judgment, we think about the judgments that are coming on the earth. And how do we know it's a horrific judgment that's coming to the people? I mean, we ought to be glad that God is merciful and God hasn't poured out the full measure of his wrath. Because when he do, it is going to be unlike anything that anybody could ever imagine. We ought to be glad about that, but the Bible said the judgment must first begin in the house of God. That means that God's going to start with us. Because here's why that is so important: because Jesus says that that we are to carry on His. His message, right? He left us here on the planet. He left us here with a work to do. If I'm going to be a bearer of this gospel, then it is important that I represent it the way it ought to be represented. And if my life is not matching up with what I am saying, then then the message is skewed. Then people won't listen to me. You know, you, you ever, how many of you have ever, ever heard people say, well, you know, I don't want to go to church because, you know, there's a bunch of hypocrites in there. Now, I'll give, I, I'll give you this. Yes, some people say that because they want an excuse. We all understand that. Amen. But there are a lot of cases where it's true. That, that, that we don't really live up. I mean, I, I, get, I, mean, I get heartbroken when I hear of these stories of leaders and people in the church not doing right, I, you know, not all of us sin, all of us struggle. But but come on. Where is the power? Where is the grace? Where is the anointing? Where, where, where is the people of God? The Bible says we are supposed to be a holy people set apart different. We tolerate unrighteousness even in the church. We watch people. I had one brother who, who knew he was living in sin. And he was coming. To, and and I, I said, brother, you got to move. She got to move out. <laughs> you can't tell me what. You don't tell me what to do. It's my life. I said, no, no. If you call yourself a believer, if you come to this church, if you're living in sin, we're going to talk to you. So if you like saying, but I don't want nobody messing with me, don't talk to me, then you probably need to find yourself someplace else to go. But we will not tolerate, and I'm saying this as we, as the church, the church of God, we should not tolerate people who live in open season. Oh, I can just do this, and and it's okay, and, and people know about stuff in the church. They know people are misbehaving. I'm not talking about, you know, going up and trying to look in and find out what people are doing. But we're talking about people, people who are just in open, just open rebellion. And the church sit back and we just kind of say, well, you know, God is working on them. <laughs> no, brother, you need to stop. Amen. That's right. Look at the name and say, just stop. You remember Nike? What, what is Nike's uh, slogan? Just do it. Just do it. You know do it. But we got all kinds of excuses. I, I don't know why, but, but see, I believe that it's a trick of the enemy because the more we are in bondage, the less effect we're going to have. And we think because we got transfer growth, because we got Christians going to other churches and they hopping and jumping, then we think that's real church growth. I show you real church growth. When people get saved, they get delivered. Yeah. They get changed. I, real children people say well who never thought like I, you know, we got examples right in this church people come and tell me how God changed them. I'm seeing stuff happen people coming into the kingdom realizing because God turned the light bulb on that there's a better way to do it Amen. and Jesus can save help me and deliver me and show me how to live judgment must first begin at the house of God not condemnation it's a difference condemnation The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. To those who are what? In. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are saved. But how many know God does give spankings? God says that he will chasten those whom he loves. Look at Hebrews chapter number five, if you will. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter number 12. Y'all still with me? Don't stay too quiet because uh, you make me think that you, I, you got off the ship a long time ago. I need you to come back home. Grab, look at your neighbor and say, Get back on the ship. It's going someplace. It's a little bumpy, but it'll smooth out in a little while. Come on, tell them it'll smooth out in a little while. Don't bet on it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got to tell y'all that because, you know, I got a sense of humor. It's kind of dry sometimes, but all right. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse number five. Watch this. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he what? Does anybody know what that means? (laughs) Discipline. And scourges. That's a strong word, isn't it? He scourges every son whom he receives. So first of all, if you're a child of God, guess what? If you don't do right, God will deal with you. Well, I'm getting away with this sin and nobody knows it. (laughs) Nah. There's nothing secret that will not be revealed. If you got some secrets going on, repent before God decide to display it. Don't wait till somebody had to find out about it. Just say, look, I'm going to go get this right now today. I, while I'm, I'm going to get this cleaned up. Watch this. He said, if you endure chastening, verse 7, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Right. But if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we m- not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for the for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his what? Holiness. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. I remember all the time my daddy used to beat me. He said, he beat me and tell me later on he loved me. Like, what? Are you crazy? What do you mean you love me? If you love me, you wouldn't do this to me. We just grew up and we say the same thing to God. If you love me, God, you wouldn't let me go through this. If you really love me, God, why am I in this situation? No chasing seems to be joyful for the present. Watch this. But painful. How many of you have gone through some painful times? Hopefully you haven't gone through a painful time because of your disobedience. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when God chastens us, he chases us because, first of all, he really do loves us. But how many know that God is merciful at the same time? I mean, if God just whacked us upside the head every single... I mean, the minute we did something, I doubt if anybody would be alive. But in his mercy, God just says, okay, get it right. He's slow to anger. You glad, glad God? Aren't you glad God is slow to anger? And God is not quick tempered? You better be glad I'm not God. I'd be dangerous. Crazy. Thank God I'm not. Hallelujah. What what are you doing? Blow him up. What you did? What? Dry to every brothel. Blow him up. Clean it up later. Don't ask no questions. Blow it up. But he's merciful in it. Not willing that any will perish. Aren't you glad that God is merciful? Some of you laugh, but you know that's the way you were at one point, but God delivered you. He had mercy on you. Yeah, that's right. So God chastens us so that we can be a partaker of His holiness. Holiness. Boy, is that a, a word that we don't hear much about nowadays, do we? How many of you have heard last time you heard a sermon on holiness? Feel free to speak. When is the last time you heard a sermon, a series, an emphasis on holiness? We don't talk about that no more. Holiness? I mean, come on. <laughs> holiness, come on, Pastor, you know. You know, holiness. You know, I grew up, you know, they had it distorted a little bit, but let me tell you something. When I grew up, they knew what holiness meant. And they were perfectly fine with being set apart, consecrated, filled with the Holy Ghost, comfortable being different. Holiness means that when you really get holy, I'm not talking about religious. There's a difference. When you really get holy, not the kind of holiness that some people think, you know, if I I wear certain makeup and I I ain't talking about all that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We ain't talking about that. But when you really get holy, uh, uh, you're going to see some folk going to have a problem with you. You can't, you know what I'm saying? When you really decide to walk with God, that, that some folks ain't, probably won't want to have you over. They don't want to invite you to lunch with them. They don't want to, because, because, because you're calling out some stuff. You're calling out some things by your very life because God called us to holiness. He wanted us to be a partaker of his holiness. Turn real quick with me to Matthew chapter number five. Watch this. Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. I have a mother. Before I read this verse, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but my mother may hear this message. And I'm going to say, Mama, you was on the spotlight. She may spank me. My mom still can go outside my head anytime she wants to. She's been known to do that. She'll swing, but I'm quick enough. I can I can duck. I know when it's coming because I had enough experience. Hallelujah. I know when the fist is coming. I know how to get out of the way. Jesus. But my mother, she has a little problem. Uh, and my mother has some health issues. And, and one of the things as, you know, the oldest son, uh, you know, I, I, and my, my, my wife, my kid, they would tell you this. My mom come to my house. We always end up in some kind of an argument over her diet. Now, I'm not like some people who are really, really good at that, all right? Uh, I try to be sensible. But my mom, she'll get that salt shaker. And, uh, and at first, I'll try to put a little salt. You know, I'll go and I'll put a little salt on the food, and then I'll take it out of the way so she can't get it. And my mom, she tastes food. She's a... Can't taste the salt. I want some more salt. And then I'll, okay, mama, give me the salt. Well, mama, you, you, you got you got blood pressure issues. You're diabetic. Give me the salt. I want what I want. That's my one always. My, my brother, who's a pastor in Texas, he did a, a little devotional on that. I want what I want. He got that from mom. Mother, I want. It. She'll get that salt. And she, will she said, if I can't taste it, if I can't enjoy it, I don't want it. How many of you know salt is supposed to give flavor to some stuff? And if you put salt on, how many of you would be disappointed if you grabbed the salt shaker and you spread it on the food and you couldn't taste the salt? You'd be like, hey, what in the world? There's something wrong with this salt. Is this something else? Look at Jesus says here, verse number 13, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Are you there? Watch this. He says now, you are the salt of the earth. Who is the salt of the earth? Uh Uh-huh. Not President Obama. Not the government. Not your employer. Not your spouse. You are the salt of the earth. If y'all are waiting on Hollywood to clean up his act, you got a long wait it ain't going to happen you are we are the salt of the earth watch this but if the salt loses its flavor remember the picture story I gave you about my mom if the salt ain't got no flavor what do you do with it no good to me can't use it how shall it be seasoned it is then good for what Nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Watch this now. You are the what? Light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Wow. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You can't shut me up. I'm walking with Jesus. You cannot keep me quiet about what he did in my life. Everywhere I go, you go. How many know we need to be bright light bulbs? Every time you walk up in a dark place, you just light the place up. Yeah. What's going on in here? Praise the Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, here comes the preacher. They were saying that to me way before I ever preached one thing, one sermon. They just called me and preach. Here he comes. Mr. Religious. Mr. Preacher. You know, here he, oh God. And all these just start flying away. I mean, like, like little roaches. You know, you cut the light on. <laughs> now the roaches go running. Now, we don't have those in my house, I'm just saying, I, you know, I grew, I grew up, we had a whole, we didn't have roaches, we had, we didn't have, we had mouse, we, they were like cat, they were like cat mouse, the, the big one, I don't know what you call them, we had all that coming up. <laughs> all kind of stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, you know, light's supposed to expose, when, when you cut the light on, it's supposed to be something different about the light. Because you how know people will be comfortable in darkness. Jesus said men will not come to the light because they love darkness. They don't want to receive it. They don't want nothing to do with it. So when you show up, if they're like really, really comfortable around you and they feel very comfortable in their sin around you, are you a light bulb? What are you like? If people are comfortable sinning around you, cursing around you, saying all kinds of things, they don't feel, they just can do it. What, what kind of light are you? You got the glory of God living down on the inside of you. How many know that you, you carry that with you? You can't help it. He's a, a city. He's like a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. Hold on. I ain't not getting a whole lot of it. I got like two amens on the left side. We got to work on the right side. I see that right now. All right. Verse 15, nor do, they, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, it gives light to who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. They might not like your good works, but you're going to see it. Whether you like it or not, you're going to see it. Hallelujah. Salt. Salt and light. Supposed to be able to make a difference. You're the salt of the earth. How does your salt become ineffective? If you're salt. You see, if we get contaminated with this world, whereby that we are so fuzzy that there is no distinction, then we have no impact. If the light that's supposed to be in us is being smothered by dark living, it kills the light. It kills it. uh, uh, He says that that we're good for nothing. I don't know about you, but I'm not like bored on Sundays that I can't find stuff to do. I'm not like bored on Wednesdays that I can't find stuff to do. I I, I, I do this because I really believe that it's real. (laughs) You hear me? I mean, believe that this Bible is real. How many of you believe that God can give you power over stuff? How many of you believe that if you let the light shine in you, that you'll make a difference? You don't don't even have to know a lot of Bible. You just got to live what you know. And God will take that and do something. You know, Rahab the harlot. The Bible quotes Rahab the harlot because she protected the spies. I don't think Rahab had a lot of knowledge about Bible stuff. But what she had, she had a little knowledge that God is real. And I know he's going to bring judgment. And I want to be, y'all want to come up in here, come hide, hide. I know, I know, that, I know that much, Bible. That's all I need to know. Some of us just need to live out what we know and stop just keep talking about it. Look at the neighbor and say, clean your house. It's a good thing. Now smile at her. That's good. <laughs> Look at Ephesians chapter number five real quick. Come on. Go there with me real quick. We're we're almost at the end here. Just hold on. Hold on. You get to Ephesians, say amen. amen. Ephesians chapter five, verse one. Watch this. Therefore, now remember, I want you to keep in mind what we're talking about. We're talking about the church. We're talking about us being like cleaning our act up. Why is this so important? Because it enables us to do the mission and carry out what God wants us to carry out. We cannot do it if we're not living a holy lifestyle. Y'all understand that, right? Amen. That's right. I mean, it's just a fact. You can't. We cannot. Listen, all we become is just another religious institution. We just become another social club. I am not going to pastor. I'd rather pastor two or three people that are on fire than to have 120 people who just want to sit and look. I mean, I don't have time for just another social club, social hour. They got plenty of those. The church is supposed to be serious about what it's doing. Serious about changing lives. Watch this. Therefore, be imitators of who? As dear children and walk in what? As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a what? Sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Watch this. But fornication, that means sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage. Oh, well, you don't understand. Well, you know, I'm going to marry her or him anyway. I can't tell how many times I've heard that. Well, I'm going to marry them anyway. Oh, so that's okay to go ahead and disobey God because you're going to do it anyway. Won't you go ahead and do it? How I many of the people of God ain't supposed to be fornicating? I said the people of God ain't supposed to be fornicating. I know what they say in the world that it's okay. You know, the world says it's okay. How I many the world says it's okay to live together? How many of you know that Angelina, Jolie, and Brad Pitt, I saw it on the thing, they're not married? Did y'all know that? But they get promoted like they're what? Married. I, I, I see all these great stars, like, like LeBron James, you know, I'm just naming names. Because they public figures, so we talk about them. They making themselves public. Got all these kids. I mean, all over. And they ain't, they ain't getting married. It's okay. How I many you know society says it's okay, but God says it's not okay? He said this ain't even supposed to be who we are. And you got people in the church acting what? Crazy. Crazy and saying, hold on. I got feelings. Well, you know, you got feeling? Get yourself in a cold shower. Like set that temperature like below 50 and freeze. I bet it'll cool you off. You know, when you're gonna walk with God, you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, if we want the if we really want to make a how do you want to make a difference? Y'all all y'all raised your hand, so that means you told me, Pastor, tell me the truth. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Some of you ain't gonna like what I'm saying. But I've already got past that. I got past that the minute I got called in the (laughs) ministry. I'm just going to tell you what the book says right here. But fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. He said, people of God, he's supposed to be doing that. He said, don't even let nobody even think that that's what you are. neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting or these are obscene jokes which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks watch this for this you know yeah we're gonna get we're gonna take it a little deeper y'all just stay with me this is one of those those bends where you ride the roller coaster when it gets really scary you know you know you get you know one of these bends on the roller anybody ride roller coasters you get the real bad parts. My, my, daughter, they, my daughter, like the one back there, she likes to ride the roller coaster. So she went on the Intimidator, and I heard she was weeping. She was crying. She was supposed to be strong. She came back and said, well, there's some parts about that thing that just really, this is one of those parts. Watch this. Here we go. <laughs> for, for neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of what? Thanks. For this you know that no fornicator. Now, I, I want you to hear this. Or unclean person, nor covetous man. Look at the list, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. My pastor, are you talking to me? He's talking about a life that is characterized by this kind of behavior. Verse 6, listen to what he says. He said, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. So here's the thing. We got people in the church who think that grace is a license to sin. Who think that, okay, I can have my cake and eat it too. I can sleep around and have a little fun. And God don't mind. We even got people who say nowadays the sexual immorality, that God is cool with it. They don't even agree with what God's word says. Mm, mm, mm. Let's take it a step further. Y'all still with me? If you sit there, that little part of that ride is almost over. We're going to smooth it out in a little bit. All right, 1 Corinthians. God know it's hard. I know some of you like, some of you might need to come and get some counseling later, but that's okay. We're going to fix it. Say, I love his word. It sets me free, free. and I'm going to obey it it. as he helps me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 9 through 11. Are you there? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who? Do not be what? Deceived. See, he's, he's using that word again. Don't be deceived because people are lying to people nowadays. How many know there are all kind of perversions, doctrines of demons, perversion. People are lying, telling people it doesn't matter. How many know it does matter how you live? You can't separate how you live from your faith. You can't just say you're a Christian and it ain't living it. A Christian by default means what? A follower of Christ. I follow Jesus. He says, "And watch this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither what fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. How you know there's plenty of that going on even in the church? Do you hear me? There are plenty of people in the church that is fornicating and committing adultery, and thinking it's okay." Nor homosexuals. What does the world say now? Nowadays, you you know, you can't even say, you're not even supposed to say that it's wrong to be a homosexual. Am I right about it? I mean, nowadays, the way the political winds are shifting now, you better not mess with that. You're discriminating. It's a civil rights issue. It's an obedience issue is what it is. And if a person is characterized by that, they are in sin and they have not been changed. Now, hold on. let me finish. Let me finish. Let me, hold on. Because somebody somebody's going to say, wait a minute, Pastor, you, you lost it. Okay, let's keep reading. That's why I like the word. Because I just speak it and it, just, it is what it is. He said, do not be deceived. Why are you saying don't be deceived? He's saying, don't, don't, don't deceive yourself. Now. Don't think you're going to get in and, and live like that. Look at neighbor and say he doing some good house cleaning right now. Say he doing some deep scrubbing. Okay. Do not be dece- do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, or adulterers, or, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. How I many of we got priests that molest little boys? Thinking it's okay, we're going to get you fixed up so you can get back into ministry. You know, if, you, if you mess with any kids ever, then you know that's probably you won't have to worry about working in children's ministry at FCF. <laughs> You're going to find yourself another ministry to work in. And I believe in God's deliverance. But you got to know where you're weak at. You got to know your area of temptation. Watch this, let's keep going. No thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the what? Wow. He ain't gonna get there. Let's, let's keep going. And such were, everybody say word. Were some of you, supposedly. What he's saying is, now supposedly when you came, you supposed to been changed. See, he's 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 saying that such worse of you. That's the way you you used to be. How I many you got saved and people shouldn't notice a difference in your life? I have one brother, I got saved. When you you know, I got saved many, many years ago, man. You know, brother, what, what you what you been doing? where's where, what's up? So I told some of you, but you were, watch this, but you were what? Washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Set apart. Washed. Cleaned up. Amen. Now, here's, here's the thing. It's not that a Christian never, ever do any of this stuff. Because how many know that if you look hard enough, that you can probably find yourself somewhere in there. But here's the difference. If you've really been washed, set apart, sanctified, when you sin against God, you hate it. You do whatever you can to try to get yourself free. I'll go run to brother, help me brother, pray for me. Pray for me, I got a problem. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this thing. I know it's not right. But here's the problem though. We got folks. Who won't even agree with God that their behavior is sin. And God clearly says it is. That's a different. That's a reprobate. That's a person that has not given their life to Jesus yet. How can you if you won't agree? Repent means what? A change of mind, which will result in a change of heart, and then a change of action. But if we never come to the place that we agree with God, then how can we really say that we have been changed, that we're saved? Being saved means I surrender. Surrender me, Lord, if you say, Lord, if you say it's wrong, it's wrong. Bible said, let every man be liar, but let, every, let God be true. So what it means is that a Christian whose life is characterized by this stuff, in other words, this is how they live, it's consistent, this is a pattern in their life, he said this kind of person will not inherit the kingdom of God. But see, we don't want to hear that kind of stuff in the church. Today. We want to hear is we, most of the messages. Now, how many of you have heard messages on forgiveness and God's grace recently? <laughs> we get a lot of those. And I'm not knocking. I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a recipient of his grace. Lord knows I need his grace every single day. But let's not kid ourselves to think that grace gives us the full license to do what we want to do and think it's okay. You got to at least acknowledge, brother. I'm. I got to clean this up. I got to get this right. Real quick, turn to First Peter, chapter number two. Uh, I think that's it, baby. I think they didn't fire me now. That's it. It's over. Oh uh, gosh. 1 Peter chapter number 2 are there. Look at verses number 9 through 10. Watch this. But you are a chosen generation. Chosen means that God chose you. Out of all the billions of people on the planet, God handpicked you. Isn't that good? Yeah. So if you've got any self-esteem issues, you just need to know who you are. God chose you. He said, you are a royal priesthood. See, priests. How many of you have ever studied the priests in the Old Testament? I mean, the, the priests are they're, they're, they're sanctified people. They offer up sacrifices. See, they, they, They're cleansed from sins, clothed for service, anointed to serve, ordained to obey. They honor the word of God. They walk with God. They offer spiritual sacrifices. Priests do what is acceptable to the Lord. He says, you are a royal priest here. I like this. His own special people. That means that you belong to God. You know, one of the things I, you know, see, my wife, she's my wife. She's my own. So, baby, as long as I'm here, you don't have to worry about nobody messing with you. She's my own. That belongs to me. My possession. See, God's saying here that we are his own. God says, you belong to me. You know, when you belong to God, he's your master. He owns your life. That means he dictates how you're supposed to live that life. So if I say, ouch, and amen. (sighs) All right, here we go. That we may proclaim, watch this, his own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of what? darkness into his marvelous light for who were once not a people but now we are the people of God I love it who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy how many say pastor I received some mercy from God then you know if you received that mercy then just, just show them a little gratitude but that's laying down your life so Lord I thank you he says that I like how he says there that we are a holy nation. Holy, that word holy means to be consecrated, dedicated, sacred, set apart, breaking away from sinful stuff. Holy means to be sanctified. The church will never be sanctified until the church gets comfortable being outsiders looking in. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Holiness. Holiness means that you're supposed to be different. Your life, you're not supposed to be like the world. I'll show you a frustrated Christian is a Christian that's still trying to act like the world and hold on to peace of the world. You'll never be happy. Are you hearing me? As a Christian, you will never, ever be happy if you want to try to hold on to some territory of the world. It will bring you misery, especially if you're saved. You will be discomforted. You will not like it. You won't. He says, but the church, people need to look out there and say, you know what? When people look at us as the people of God, they say, man, those are some, those are some, boy, those are some. I don't I like what they say. I don't always agree with what they say. But, boy, they, they are true. They do what they say, and they live this stuff. Now, the, the church, boy, those, people, those are not hypocrites. Those folks over there, I know, those people walk with God. That they really believe because if I'm how, how does it look if I'm going to say to somebody that you need to come to Jesus. But I offer no alternative. The church is supposed to be an alternative, right? Different. I'm asking you to come to Jesus because he's different than what you're experiencing right now. The Bible says Jesus was manifest to do what? Destroy the what? Works of the devil. Jesus was manifest to destroy, not only to save and to deliver us for our salvation, but also to destroy the works of Satan. So that means those works that Satan like to do, that how many know is not supposed to be a part of who we are. In closing, look at 2 Chronicles, chapter number 7, and we're done. 2 Chronicles. How many of you know that the church got to get it together? How many of you know that this thing is serious? God is serious about the lives of people, and we got to get serious about the souls of men. This is a verse a lot of people, a lot of us quote, a lot of people know it by heart. You don't even have to read it, some of you, because you've seen it, you know it. But I want you to hear what Jesus said. I asked you a question earlier about wanting to change your world and wanting to make a difference. The difference comes in a life that resembles what the book says. That's where the difference is. We can't even do that until we come there. But listen to what he says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name. How many of you are his people? How many of you belong to him? Here's what he says. He said, now this is how many know that I believe every word in this book. And I'm not saying that because I'm standing up here. I really believe this book. He said, if my people who are called by my name will first humble themselves. First, we got to get rid of our pride, right? We got to realize who we are, what we are, and we just say, Lord, I have, you know, we got to humble ourselves and recognize where you're struggling at yeah. and ask yourself the serious question. Lord, am I being a hindrance to what you want to do in the earth? He's a themselves and what? Pray and seek my what? Face. They said before, and I'll say this again, and I know y'all don't like hearing this either, but, but I got it. We got to do this. One of the least attended services in the church is prayer. When somebody says we're going to have a prayer meeting, most people look at that as a way not to come to church. That's the option. Can I ask you a question? If you are a serious believer and you understand what the stakes are, Jesus says my house should be called a house of what? Prayer. When, 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 when the leadership in the church said we're having prayer, congregation prayer, you should be here. Because if you were called here, you believe God placed you here, He's, we come together, we pray. There is, see, one of the things, I've, I've, you look, read the scripture, you don't have to even listen to me. But that's, that's, if you go and study the scripture all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, you see that the people of God prayed together. In the book of Acts, where were they at? In the upper room, was it one? Because people, people say, well, I can just pray at home. Boy, that's a neat attitude, isn't it? People who say that don't understand the concept of the body. Because we, he didn't make us to be alone, long range of thinking. Nobody is an island unto himself. He called us to be a people together. If you look at the disciples, they were always together. If you look at when when Peter was locked up in jail, the church was together praying. They were all praying together. Yes, you should have an individual prayer life, but it's something different when we come together as a people and and, and force the issue in a godly way. When I say force the issue, that means that, that we just get beyond what the enemy is trying to do. So when you hear somebody say we got a prayer meeting, that shouldn't be an opportunity, that shouldn't be a time where we say, well, okay, well, I just, you know. That should be, that should be a time where I get an opportunity to pray. Because here's what he said. He said, if my people who are called by my name, I'll tell you a church is not effective is a church that don't have praying people. You cannot be effective. It's no way, because that's where it all starts. Amen. I know this church is serious. We are serious as a church when we get serious about prayer. Because that's what the enemy wanted. Everything the enemy does in your, in your life and my life to keep us off of our knees. Because that's where the power is. This morning we did something different. We just told everybody, just go pray for each other. Boy, it was powerful. Wasn't it? Who was there this morning? People just grabbed hands. I said, look, you go find somebody, just go pray. Walk and pray for each other. How many of you felt blessed by that? Yes. The prayers of the righteous avail us what? So why don't we do it much? He said, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and then here's the other part, and turn from their wicked ways. Turn. He says, my people will turn away. That means repent, stop sinning, give it up. Look at the neighbor and say, give it up. He said, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, Seek my face, turn from the wicked ways. Watch this, watch this, and then I will hear from where, and I will what? Forgive their sin and do what? Yeah. Do I need to say anymore? He said, "If my people, he said, if it's not the world, you know, sinners sin. You know, you know, people out there. That's what they do. They specialize in sinning. So we expect that them to sin, right? That's what they do." But he said, if my people who say that they belong to me, if they come in here, they seek my face, they humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive and then I'll heal their land. So which begs the question, it looks like that God is holding the church responsible. We just can't sit, we don't, listen, you do not have the luxury of sitting by and allowing people to run up to send that And you not say anything. Well, I'm not gonna say anything, Pastor, because that's their life. You got to do something. We gotta change. We gotta do something, right? Because I'm here. It's not just about just. This is a holy huddle, right? This is like you ever watch football. Thank God they got football coming back on. See now the ride. See now the ride's getting a little smoother. Now you gotta smile. See, hallelujah, I was shouting, Jesus, thank you so much that the NFL is coming back. You know, they have the little huddle. You know how they do? They get in the huddle, and they come up with a game plan. This is what Sunday morning is like. It's like our game. It's like we come together, we huddle, we pray together, we, we, we talk together, we support one another, we love each other. We, we do all the things. We, then we take what we know, we go out there, and we utilize the plan. We get on the field of life. How I many know that we've got too many bench warmers in the church? time to get off the bench and get in the game. See, the difference with the coach of the Dallas Cowboys and and Coach Jesus, Jesus got a spot for everybody. You can jump in the game whenever you want to. You don't have to wait for the You can just come and just, just jump in the game. Get in the game of life and make a difference right where you are. I'm not just talking about just here. It's that small thing. I'm talking about in your sphere of life, wherever you are, in your neighborhood, in your community, at the grocery store, at work, at the 7-Eleven store. Make a difference out there. So if my people who call by my name, they pray, then guess what, I'll move. And How many know we ought to do it? Now, I really believe, and I said this before, and I'm done. The Bible says the judgment must first begin in the house of God. And I believe that persecution has always been the way that God always got his church in line. Is it not? The children of Israel went through a lot of persecution. Every time they act up, God would deliver them to their enemies. They had all kinds of issues and they would were to God and God help them because he's merciful. I really believe that God is going to bring the church in this country because this country, I don't know if you know it or not, but the devil has really turned up the heat. It's like in your face now. It's like he's he's it's like he's beckoning you. Step out. What you gonna say? What you gonna say? Say something. You better not say nothing. It's like the devil's right up in our face now, saying, "What you gonna do? I'm gonna do this, and you're not gonna do anything." We and, and I'm gonna tell you something. If we continue to let just fall asleep and just be relaxed and just say, oh "God, just come to church and do a couple things. I'm good." If we continue to be that way. That I believe that God will bring about, God knows how to stir us up and get us moving. You know that, don't you? God will shake us up to get us activated and get us thinking about kingdom things. Judgment is coming on this nation. And I really believe that God spoke to me to give this message to warn his people that it's time to get serious and stop playing games. You were not put here to live for yourself. You was put here to live for him. That was it. It's very simple, but it costs you something. It costs you your life. It costs you everything that is precious to you. It costs you. You have to lay it down and say, I'm going. I'm ready. I'm going to take this thing. Not just to know just How many of you are just tired of religious experiences? I don't need no more religious experience. I've been all that. I've done, I've, I've done all that. I want to see real result. I want to be able to see God move through us. I mean, real movement, not the manufacture stuff. Not just, don't, Lord, don't just give me goosebumps. I feel the anointing. But really be anointed and ordained of God to do a particular work in the earth and make a difference. Boy, you know, if we can think that way. If we think about it, if all of us think that we as a church, as a one body, we all begin to get serious about that. Think about the kind of difference that we can make together yeah. and the labor and the fruitfulness of it that we all get to enjoy and see what God did in our lives. But we got to clean up ourselves, right? Yeah. We, can't, we, we can't do it if we're, if we're still jacked up and got problems on our own. We got to say, look, that's why I confess it. Here's another reason why you need to pray, come to prayer meeting, because we need to talk. To, we need to talk to each other about what's going on in each, other, in each other's lives. We said this morning, we said, okay, you go find somebody, talk to somebody and confess. Talk to them. Tell them about what's going on in your life I and mean, ask for prayer. Because it's something about when we expose. See, the devil don't like, God, God works in the areas where there's transparency. It's when this, it's the secret stuff. It's the stuff that we hide, stuff that we don't talk about. That's the stuff that hinders what God wants to do. It's when we become transparent and say, look, here's where I am. Can you pray for me? And we need to be big enough to say, brother, you know what? We're going to get through it. Sister, we're going to get through it. I know you're struggling, but that's okay. We're going to get through it. We want this to be a place of grace where people can walk in here and feel like that if I'm struggling, I can get help. Because you can come, you can get help because Jesus, he always reached out. Did he not? But we cannot for one minute think that it's okay we got to think about how we live and how it's, what kind of message is sending those people out there. I am sick and tired of hearing about stories about leaders and church people just going crazy. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And we got to get serious enough to say, look, we got to stop this. Somebody got to stop it. We got to stop it. We got to get serious about it. And I believe that Jesus is just like a devil's turn the devil's turned up to heat, God's going to turn up to heat on us. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.